listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. There it is. I hit record. And dude, we are like live. We're cranking. We're on this thing. I can't wait to introduce you to everyone. Guys, this guy is a marketing motivator, a disruptor, tells it how it is on LinkedIn as how I just, I just keep seeing him on there, just ranting about stuff. People are thanking him. I'm thanking him like, great point, man. It's one of those people, the kind of people you need to follow, right? Where you don't have time to necessarily research a million things. Follow this guy, especially on LinkedIn. And you're going to be in the know, in the loop on what's going on. He's, uh, in the terms of marketing, uh, big into the field marketing, the cross-channel side of the marketing strategy. Also a sports innovator, co-founded an adult baseball league, which we will talk about as well. Head of field marketing at Clary, Nick Bennett. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much for having me. I'm pumped. Dude, it's, it's an honor for me. You're like a LinkedIn celebrity. What do you have, like 90 million followers now on there? Uh, I wish. One day, one day. <laughs> one day, one day soon. Maybe after this podcast, we'll get yeah, you exactly. the other 89 million you need to get there. <laughs> uh, so, hey, man, this is like our marketing leadership disruption series, all about crushing BS. So I want to pass you something over here. It's kind of heavy, but I know you can handle it because, you know, the baseball. All right, here you go. Ugh. All right, you got it? I got Close it. Over. Got it. Okay. Yep. There you go. Take a swing. Take like a like a home run hitting swing at some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set set the record straight once and for all. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's a good question because there's a lot of them for me. <laughs> I, I know. Think, yeah. I think I think the biggest thing is you know, and, and this kind of came up recently that sales are the best marketers out there. And I've, it's funny because I've had a few salespeople tell me this recently, that like, oh, marketing's not hard. Anyone can do it. Like, do you really think you can do a full funnel ABM program and strategy and come up with all of that and work cross-functionally? Like, I think everyone is a marketer, but like, we're not here to work in silos. Like, everyone is good at what they do. Like, you know, stay in your lane and just do what you're good at is, is something that I think is important. And it just makes me laugh because it's like, you know, I always say, Oh, you know, sales thinks they're the best at this. Like I don't go around or you don't hear marketers going around saying they're the best salespeople. Um, I mean, maybe you're not, but, are you yeah, good at sales? You're not good. At sales? Honestly, I am pretty good at sales. I'm pretty good at sales I, too, I, I, man. I don't know. I'd throw down with sales. Would you throw down? With sales? <laughs> I, I would. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just a big thing. And I think it all comes back to like sales and marketing alignment. Like, if, if everyone's going their, their own way, nothing's ever going to work. And like, I've worked for some companies where it's like sales and marketing alignment. Like, what is that? Like, there was no sales and marketing alignment. And like, that bothers me to like, like the nth degree, because it's like, if you work for a revenue organization, it's, it's sales is a team sport. Like you have sales, you have marketing, you have CS, you have basically everyone rowing in the same boat that are trying to achieve a revenue number. And it's like, if you're working in silos, you're never going to get anywhere. And it's just like, it bothers me when I talk to other marketers that are like, oh, you know, I don't even talk to my sales team. Like they're doing their thing and I'm doing my thing. And I'm just like, how are you guys even driving any, any revenue? And which kind of mm-hmm. leads me to my next point, because sometimes marketers only care about MQLs. Well, hold on a second. We got a whole, th- 
Yeah, we'll we'll destroy the MQ in a second, but uh, okay. you said a couple really cool things that I was writing down here. So this is clearly false that like sales just can't pick up. Well, they're not they're not on the the walk on varsity squad here. They can't just pick up like sometimes marketers don't even know what that stuff is, let alone someone in sales. Um, but you mentioned the whole idea of like, you know, is everyone a marketer? And I, I wonder about that. Is is everyone a marketer, or is it is the idea that like customer experience is everyone's in everyone's bag, or what? What do you think? I, I think I think everyone is deep down a marketer because it's like you're always marketing yourself, whether it's your personal brand, whether you're marketing yourself for the brand for the company that you work for, or even like you know maybe it's in 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 activity that you do outside of work. Maybe you play sports. You're marketing yourself yeah. to that league that you play in, and you want to be the best that you can be. Right, right. You know, um, you know, tied to that was you had said like stay in your lane. You know, a lot of people are like told to stay in their lanes. And you know what's interesting? Like when I think about lanes, it, it's kind of easier to stay in your own lane, right? Maybe not as successful, especially in marketing. Right. But there's some focus to that. Like I do accounting. All I do is accounting. I do yeah. like I'm just gonna work on my queue or if I'm like SDR or something, I'm just sales. I'm just going to work on my lead queue or something and don't care what your programs are. If I hear something happening on the other side of the, the company, that's cool. Yeah. But like I am focused. So there's a benefit to focus, but I think you brought up a point that, that in marketing, we're kind of, I don't want to say not focused, but we're, we're like, we look at the whole journey, you know, more than, right say anyone else in the organization other than like the CEO maybe. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so true. And I think, I think marketing in general is, is the more modern marketer is turning into caring more about revenue in the full buyer's journey. I right. think even a couple of years ago, you know, some marketers only cared about, you know, Hey, like, let's just get people into the top of the funnel or what can we do? Their silo. Yeah, exactly. But I think, I think it is shifting. And I think that like, Revenue organizations in general, the more that you see that pop up, like that will only support, you know, this full cycle of, of marketers that are out there. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, here's a question for you. Cause you brought this thing up. Does, when we do talk about sales and marketing alignment, I feel like this is, mar you just mentioned this marketing is like growing up. We're going, okay, it's really about revenue guys. I know we're going to talk about MQLs. Yeah. Uh, it's really about revenue. I need to like get beyond my silo. And so, marketers, God bless us all, we're able to painfully or however we need to do it, get out of our own silo to look at what's the end goal. And that for sure involves sales. I don't know if sales is doing the same thing. I, I could feel that sometimes sales just stays in their silo and they're like, thanks marketing. Thanks for thinking about me. But they're, they're, it's not like they're, th but I guess the better thing would be if they're thinking about what we do a little bit. I mean, do your job, but like, let's collaborate truly, not just like we're serving you, but you're just, in your silo, you know, it's, yeah, that's true. And I, I think, I think, you know, if you look at like a company, if they have like more of a commercial sales team and an enterprise sales team, I feel like the enterprise sales reps are used to doing things a certain way, especially the ones that have been like long tenured. Whereas like some of the commercial sales reps, they're a bit younger. They're a bit more like, they just want to, to do the best that they can. And they do care more about marketing, but I mean, I, I, I think it also varies company to company. I mean, sure. yeah, I, I clearly, the sales team does care a lot about marketing and they do want to stay informed. They do want to play a big part in it. But I've also worked for companies where it's like sales stays in their lane and like they just, they're just like, oh, whatever marketing gives us is fine. But like 
at the end of the day, I still need to go out and close business and I'm not going to like have anyone hold me back or help me. What does that look like? So for someone who's in a company and they're not sure which one they fall under, do they fall under a Clary or the other, or they don't care? What does it look like when sales actually cares about what marketing is doing? So I think if sales actually cares, you're going to see, you're going to see, you know, more of that, that revenue organization, like a true, like revenue commit from like a marketing team and just working towards the same goal. Like everyone wants to achieve whatever the revenue number is. And like sales will actually commit to helping with programs. Like take ABM, for example, like sales will fully commit to wanting to make that successful if they can see the, the true value in it. And I think it comes back to sales and marketing alignment. Like if that's there and it starts from the top down, like CRO, CMO, and then funnels down, like it has to start there and then be pushed down to, to have kind of like that environment where right. everyone thrives off of it. And you know what? Like talk is cheap. So it sounds like not only are they committing, but they're doing stuff that makes you feel really confident that sales gives a shit, right? So right. what kind of actions do you see sales taking? You know, they're committing fully to the ABM approach. What kind of things do you see them do? Because it's almost like, you know, we measure sales on actions. You know, they measure themselves. What kind of things do you see them doing? And you're like, oh, they care. You know, it's like, I brought you some flowers. I care. You know, like what kind of things do sales do that? And this would help other people too understand like, oh, does my sales team care or not? It would be like a starting point, you know? Right, exactly. I think, I think a big piece of it is like, following through with the leads that come from any type of marketing campaign. Sometimes like they'll just rely on their SDR team, but the the sales teams that truly care are going to be the ones that are going to be like, Hey, I'll follow up with this person. Or like something pops in from an ebook download, like they're on it. Like they, for for example, in Clary, we have an inbound Slack channel, anything that comes in inbound, the whole sales team is on there. They can basically see, and you can see which reps actually care because they're like, commenting on an inbound thread that says on it immediately, like two seconds after it comes wow. in. Right. And in like they also are tagging their SDR like counterpart on it saying, yo, hey, let's let's craft a message together to get in this because marketing did such a good job of like creating this. And like whether it's collateral, whether it's content, whether it's you know an event or like a webinar, like I've seen the sales team truly care about what's being put out there and not only truly care, but also say thank you for doing this. Because it's like, at the end of the day, sales is, is, is my customer. I want to see them right. achieve their numbers. And like, to be able to just have them say thank you for helping them, like helping them do that means a lot to me because they could just be like, oh, whatever, you know, this is marketing's job. But yeah. going that extra step definitely shows value. Yeah, when sales is happy, it's great, man. Have yeah. they ever taken you out to lunch or something like that where they're just like, let's go? <laughs> they they definitely have. Go ahead. They, they, they've, I, yeah, I've gotten some crazy things. A lot of nice booze as well. <laughs> I was going to say. Deals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they're inviting you out for dinner or something else, and it's like, you, you, you know, when you get back to your marketing cave at like 3 a.m., you're like, <laughs> I just hung out with sales for a whole night. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, they definitely. do have fun, man. Um, they, they took me out for sushi. That was my thing. That was always my like, hey, if sales takes you out for lunch and they're like, we're buying, you know, you did something right. You know? Exactly. That's so true. Um, man, the, the inbound Slack channel and the, to hear that people are like pouncing on those leads, it just shows yeah. that one, you're driving good, good stuff because they wouldn't do that if it wasn't. And then two, it's like you, you've unleashed them. You've activated sales, just like we talk about activating content. All the, it's like you've activated your sales team and now they are just, pounce, I mean, they're, pouncing on stuff. And when you get them doing that, it's so intense. Like if you get the hunter ready to hunt, yep. they're like on fire. Um, 
what kind of things you know, do, do you and your team do on the marketing side to activate that sales team to get them to where they are hungry like that? It's just kind of showing like, you know, we, we try to do any meetings like sales and marketing are in it together. Like yeah. when we do, we, like we just finished the quarter last week and we do these things called SOE calls. And it's basically kind of like just an end of the quarter, see where we are. And so marketing is invited to those calls as well. Marketing's invited, you know, to the QBRs. It's like they truly want that alignment and like just the cohesiveness of like being able to kind of get them, like get, get sales and marketing together to kind of create that bond. Um, which you don't see everywhere. And like, just being able to spend time with sales and like understanding like how to walk in their shoes um, is important because as a marketer, it helps you kind of reflect of like, look back and say, okay, you know, I've, I, I know how they operate. Like yeah. I want to help them. And just like being able to like, we're just in, on so many calls together and like we're on so many like Slack groups together. And it's just like, it, it really helps build that bond. Yeah. Time, quality time, right? Yeah. For the love languages, you just got to get quality time with people. Exactly. Um, and I could see that. Yeah. If they're attending, I mean, it makes sense. Attend the end of week calls, the end of quarter calls, the QBRs, just being in the same meeting at the same time, even if you're just observing, right. then you're hanging out, you're going to dinner afterward, you're, you're kind of being able to socialize. If you like each yeah. other, I could see that really helping because then you're like, you know, like, you know, you send me a lead. I, I'm a call, man. I know you're doing your thing and I know you care about me. I care about you. Like, this is cool. You know, it's like, ah, oh, that jerk over there. Marketing doesn't give a crap about anybody but themselves. I'm not going to call their leads. I'm like, right. chat my SDR team. But like, just, it, it's interesting how sometimes it's just the basic relationships that can build that stuff. So true. Yeah, absolutely. Man, maybe some jello shots too. I don't know. Um, Definitely. <laughs> well, you know, all this sounds really good. It sounds like, cause I know you were alluding to wanting to smash the idea of the, the MQ as well. What are you sending over that makes them so happy to respond? And what are you not sending over? Like is MQ ever enter into that vocabulary or what, what happens? Yeah. So, so it, it actually is. So we still do use an MQL, but we don't specifically measure on it. Um, okay. and we just use it from kind of a, a lead scoring perspective, but to us, what matters way more is, is, is pipeline. So pipeline source, pipeline influence. What does, you know, the, like, how does the ABM makeup of like what we have play into all of this as well? Yeah. And then we, we look at like, you know, the closed one business as well, um, which is important. And it's all things that we aligned with sales on what was important to them. And, and that's kind of where we came from. And, you know, marketers are like, well, you know, we, you know, we did our MQL number, you know, how come sales isn't closing this business? And, you know, mm -hmm. just because marketing thinks an MQL is, is something amazing, sales could still think it's trash. It, it, it all comes down to, oh, you know, you could put, make whatever lead score and like it could get passed on as an MQL. Um, but it's just like pipeline is what matters at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah, totally, man. It's like, you could put lipstick I'm mean, the whole lipstick on a pig thing. I don't even know where that came from. I'll probably have to Google it next time you see something smart. Um, lipstick. Hey, you know, it's like you need a little producer. Hey, Hey, uh, let's uh, look that up while I'm talking. Right. Like Joe Rogan style. Um, I have no idea, but you know, like you can, you can decorate, you know, wrap these leads in all sorts of decorations, put yeah. stickers on them. Like my kids put stickers on everything, but if it's a terrible lead, it's a terrible lead. And it's almost like the more stickers you put on it and the more lipstick or whatever you put on it, like the worse it is because 
you've you've claimed this is an MQL. You've claimed this is like the one thing you need to call. Has a score of ten thousand. Please call it. And it's terrible. It just it makes you look so bad on the marketing side. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Exactly. And then it, yeah. it like it hurts your relationship with sales. Like you work so hard to build that up. This is how you destroy a relationship: passing over shitty leads. Talk more about that because we talked about activating the sales team. Like it sounds like that deactivates them is sending them shitty leads. Any other thing, or maybe that's just the key thing, but what, what kind of things will demotivate and deactivate your team? I, I think just, you know, make it like obviously passing terrible leads over, but also not like, not informing them of what campaigns are actually running. Like they're getting all these leads and like, you know, there's so many tools out there that are saying, oh, you know, I'm getting all these marketing actions, but like, I don't like, I don't know what this is. No one told me what was going on. And like, maybe it was an ebook download. Maybe it was, they attended a webinar, but it's like, you know, if they were like, if I actually knew what was happening, then it would be way easier on me on how I know, like how I need to follow up with this. And I think it comes back to basically like when I think of failed marketing, it's just like, you know, you're the strategic advisor to that sales team. Like they should know every single thing that is happening across the marketing organization. And like, you're that point person. Yeah. Yeah. Play point. Um, okay. All right. Um, measuring on pipeline, not on MQLs. How do you measure the pipeline? How do you measure the fact that you did anything? Or is it really just all sales' fault? They they sold all these great things. Their pipeline, the the sold pipeline comes from them and the unsold pipeline comes from you. Like how do you (laughs) differentiate? Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely use a few tools. Um, We use, yeah, we use Salesforce and we use Visible as well that will kind of help with like the reporting and attribution standpoint of it. Um, but it's just like, you know, before that, you know, just, just Salesforce reports, like making sure everything's tied to, to a campaign and making sure that it all flows properly, making sure that the lead scoring is in there properly as well. Um, and that's, that's kind of, you know, that's what I'm, what I'm gold on at the end of the day is, is pipeline sourced and influence. And, and we kind of think of influence as like, any touch point within a buyer's journey versus source of something, you know, just like a first touch point. Got it. So you're tracking the first and you're tracking all the other touches across the board. That makes sense. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, I've seen so many people just track the touches across the board and then they're, where do you go get new, more of these? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what was the first touch? Cool. Go there to get more of these it, things and then influence exactly. them. That's cool. You, so, so your responsibility is the source and the influence and a nice little combination of the two. Exactly. Awesome. You've got, you got Visible. Do you have Marketo too? We do. Yep. We use I was going to say, cause they well. bought them. So exactly. it's interesting you have Salesforce. They're like these dueling <laughs> platforms that are, are they annoying you yet? Trying to get your business to one platform, the other yet? <laughs> not, not really, honestly. Good. Like, good. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been good. That's awesome. Um, how does ABM fit into that? Yeah. So I think, you know, being able to have like a full funnel ABM strategy is important. It's like, So the way that we look at ABM is like, you know, we work with sales to basically say, okay, what are your top accounts? And like, so they pick their top accounts. We've gone through like a couple of like, I don't want to say like, we went through a couple relist of basically going through top accounts, but we have, I think there's about, you know, 500 and something on there. And like, that's basically what we target for everything. Like that's when we, when we're releasing webinars, when we're releasing basically anything, like those are the first people that we're going to. And we're, you know, we're doing a ton of like localized ads for them. Um, 
and we use six sense basically from an intent data perspective yeah. to basically get a lot of that information. And so like our demand gen team, um, kind of houses and like runs all of that. Yeah. But we use that reporting to basically help us figure out, you know, what's the path forward to a lot of these accounts. And it ties, it ties nicely into Salesforce as well. So, you know, the rep can even go in and see like, you know, from a lead perspective, what's important from like their intent score, like how, you know, where are they at from like a lettering score of like to purchase. And it's, um, it's been really helpful to, to plan campaigns around that. Wow. You've really supported the sales team with all the technology around it. That's Definitely. cool. Giving them the inside six cents. Do you know Ladney? Have you, you so I, I haven't used that now. No, no, Latney, she's the um, CMO of oh, Sixth Sense. Sorry, yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Because if not, I'll connect you because she's freaking fantastic. Yeah, I am connected there. That's awesome. I'm sure you could, I'm sure you're, you could connect me to people. I think you're probably the more connected LinkedIn person than I am. Uh, quick side on that, do you, do you auto-accept everybody? So I don't. Well, I try, I used to. And I was just <laughs> like, I actually switched to a follow button versus a connect button just because I was getting like, so many random people. And I was just like, I'm only connecting with the people that like fall, that fall into like my target market basically. Uh, yeah. And like anyone else can, can follow me. Um, just because it's so much easier than trying to like auto connect with like auto connect with everyone. And then like they pitch me immediately two seconds after I connect with them. Man, it's, it's hard to delete for me as soon as that happens. I, I block those people with, uh, with, with, with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's a great idea though, switching to a follow button. Yeah. Uh, and then people that really do want to connect and have to go self-select that. And exactly. I really wish more people would put a note in there when they connect. I know sometimes oh. the app doesn't let you do that. It just yep. sends it and you're like, no, I want to say something. But it's, um, yeah, it's so important. Definitely. Um, tell me more about the, the ABM side. It, have you seen anyone go astray with this? Like doing it right, doing it wrong. It sounds like you've really activated your sales team. Um, talk to me about how ABM fits into this whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it fits really well between like sales, our SDR team, and then like our, our, our marketing team. So like, basically like we've run programs around specific, like, you know, top hundred ABM counts. And like, we do certain things around that specifically. And like our SDR team is amazing at like the outreach that they do and like the sequences that they put together. And we do a ton of, um, personalized outreach through like using like a like sendoso um and us around like our abm accounts and it's just been like huge in the amount of abm accounts that like we've been able to get a hold of that like wow. the rep like never could get a hold of before and um you know it's just getting the at bats to the sales team and like these are their key accounts like we'll do what we can to be able to get in there but at the end of the day it's up to them to take that at bat and knock it out of the park right how do you line that up? Because, you know, sometimes you don't know too much about them beforehand or they don't know you. And it's like, you don't want to be the, it's like just because you focused on them, but now you don't want to be the creepy spammer. Like we just talked about on LinkedIn. Right. So yeah. how, do, how do you get sales those at bats? So we definitely try to work with sales and, and get any intel that we can. And we okay. use a lot of that intel to figure out what their pain points are what, you know, maybe we, we actually leverage our board a good amount to get into accounts and specifically ABM accounts because they have so many of those connections. Yeah. And like, if we can say, okay, our board member or this private equity firm that, that basically invested in us, like they want 
you to use Clary as part of your, like their portfolio. And it's like, you know, just leveraging those connections as well helps kind of build it and then delivering, you know, personalized content that's important to pain that they're experiencing. And I mean, if you think about it, like during COVID, um, forecasting and pipeline visibility is more important than ever. Like going to a board and be like, well, you know, I may hit the forecast for the quarter. I don't know. Like we're just using Excel spreadsheets. Right. You, yeah. You, the, for the record, you know, you can't say that to a board. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's how you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no CEO can, can survive a conversation with the board saying, not really sure about this quarter. <laughs> nope. No idea. 50 50 flip a coin anybody they're like cool we're gonna post on linkedin for a ceo tomorrow (laughs) okay sweet sweet man um well what do you think the future you know what you're connected to so many people you're seeing so many different things happening you've got a lot of great tech what kind of stuff do you see coming around the bend in the future that maybe we should keep our eye on or watch out for that kind of thing yeah i just think that like you know, more AI and like machine type learning, like technology is going to be coming in. Like that's, that's going to be important to leverage just because, you know, as we get into deeper into COVID specifically, like, you know, it's going to be, budgets are going to be freezing. Like how do you get people to actually say like, we need to purchase your technology when like budgets are frozen and like just more technology around like that, like what's important to them? Like, what do they care about? And like, just, leveraging the relationship because at the end of the day people buy from people and you don't want to sound like a robot but right you need to remember that like people buy from people at the end of the day and you need to be empathetic to the times and like you need to just care about the person on the other side and maybe do some things that like maybe you can't measure in marketing but you know that will move the needle mic drop right there that's yeah. it <laughs> that's the sound that i mean what a what a word of wisdom in terms of what needs to happen and who we need to talk to you know, um, in something like COVID or not, like that's the way you reach out and, and you do that. And it's, it's just like, we're all connected, you know, in so many ways, you mentioned the board's connected, we're connected, LinkedIn's all about being connected. Um, what's your take on communities? Are, are you in any communities? Um, yeah. yeah fellow definitely. marketers rubbing elbows? Like what, what's your <laughs> thought? So, so, you know, that was another thing, like there's never been a marketing community out there. And so Mm. there's, I am a part of a few communities. So like I'm a part of revenue collective, which has helped me a a tremendous amount because there is a lot of sales and marketing leaders that are in there. Um, I'm also a part of it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a marketing thing because I'm not in it. So I don't know, but um. It, it, it doesn't, I mean, there's a, there's a marketing channel. It's definitely geared more towards sales leaders. Um, but it, it, I mean, it, it has, it has a marketing side of it and there is more and more marketers that are joining, uh, every single day, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not cheap to join. It's definitely expensive. Um, luckily Clary picks it up on, on my side, but, um, another community that I've joined recently, and I was actually one of the founding people that helped, um, bring it all to life was called Rev Genius. And so there's a ton of big influencers on LinkedIn that have joined it. And so it's about two months old and there's almost 3,500 people in there. Sales, marketing, um, CS, RevOps, like, and it's, it's, it's free to join. So no issue with that. And it's like, it, they're super inclusive. So the, the, maybe you're an SDR fresh out of college, maybe you're a seasoned CMO, like they don't care. Like everyone's welcome in there. And like, even like, you know, Scott Lisa's in there and like, there's just so many like, famous, you know, (laughs) 
influences that are on LinkedIn that are adding value and like they're learning as well because it's just like it's it's an awesome place just to connect with others and like I've been really active in that. And you're in there, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Right. You mentioned Scott, but it's like you're in there, other people. I think this is important, especially as we get more and more virtual. We can't always be having happy hours or meetups as much. It's like some kind of group. It's, you know, with collective or the Rev Genius. What makes it different? I mean, definitely the cost is different. You got, and what kind of things happen in these groups? Do you meeting, you burn effigies, or how does it, how does it work? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of basically webinars around, you know, really interesting things. I was actually just listening to on Revenue Collective, a, um, a past kind of episode around understanding equity, like stock options, straight talk. And oh, it was wow. basically like just these executives that have gone through different things. Cause I was trying to understand it like a bit more and like anyone can like join and like just listen more about that. And on like Rev Genius side of it, they do a ton of like roundtables. If you want to learn more about like RevOps, if you want to learn more about marketing, specifically like topics around marketing, they hold weekly roundtables and like you can just join and like jump in on the conversation. And like we just did one last week on ABM. It was huge. Like people that didn't really have ABM experience, but they wanted to learn. And like it's just, right. it's so awesome to be able to be, be part of a community where if you put a request out there or like a question, like 30 people reply to you within like a couple of minutes. Really? Yeah. Really? And that's important and getting good answers too. I was on this like hiking group and I posted a question like, Hey, what's near this highway and any recommendations? And two guys linked me to like a book on hiking. It's like not helpful. Right. It sounds like this yeah. is the opposite. It's like, Hey, I have a just random question. Maybe it's a dumb question, but I just put it out there and people are like, no, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. And it's really cool to see in 30, like you're talking about, because normally what happens is like, four or five people do it. And then one of them is really good at it. And you're like, right. okay, that answer, that's fine. That's my answer. But everyone kept putting experiences yeah. feedback. That's, yeah. that's it, it, and Yeah. And everyone's just willing to help everyone. And it's just like, you know, if we're going to be virtual for the foreseeable future, like, like I'm all yeah. in on this because like, I'm trying to level up myself. Like I want to be able to get the expertise that like I don't have in like other areas of marketing that will help me further in my career. And right. like, there's so many people that are accessible. Like I was just talking to a CMO on there like yesterday and she was like super like just basically we were just chatting and she was kind of telling me about like her background and like, you know, giving me some advice and feedback. And it's just like people are just there to like help others. It's awesome. Yeah. In the end, we're all just people, you know, yeah, I think exactly. uh, CMO, marketing specialist, yeah. SDR, <laughs> VP of sales. We're all just people, man. And we're just, exactly. you know, ideally the one that are trying to learn that are on these communities because they, they want to keep expanding their minds and thinking about things. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, anything to watch out for? Any, any groups or anything that doesn't work out well? No, honestly, I, I mean, I usually, if there is one of those, like I get out pretty quick, but honestly, the ones that I'm a part of, like I, I highly recommend them that's cool. um, to just check them out. Yeah. I saw they're on your LinkedIn profile and everything, man. Yeah. So it's like, you're certainly like, you know, putting it out there, you're proud of it. And letting people know where they can go to get more information, be connected like you are and that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah, sweet. Crazy, man. Um, you know, talk, talk for a second about, you know, we got COVID going on, things are changing, things are getting virtual. And this ties into that future and idea that what's coming around the bend, but you know, things are like some of the go-to marketing campaigns are just not it. I mean, you have field in your name, like <laughs> do you, are you getting out to the field much or is it, <laughs> Is it a virtual field now? How are you, how are you adapting? 
Yeah, so so it's definitely virtual. And we've actually made the decision to like stay virtual through like February next year. Nice. Um, and so like we're we're all in. And so like we have definitely different pieces of like the how to thrive in a digital world is like what's important to us. And like so we have different event pieces. So we have like round tables, which is meant more for like, you know, just local people that wanted to get together and try to try to reconnect that like in-person connection videos on. It's just like everyone's just kind of chatting. And then we have more of like the, the, the traditional webinar side of it. We have like keynotes. We do a lot with partners. We're actually doing a, um, we're doing a webinar with Drift next week. And so like we do some things like that too, to just kind of expand um, that piece of it. And it's just like ABM plays a huge part of it as well. And like launching specific themes and campaigns, um, Gartner just released something about, you know, forecasting and kind of visibility within that. And that was a huge campaign for us just because they didn't mention us by name, but we were one of the companies that they, they mentioned. Come um, on, Gartner. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah, mention yeah. these guys. Yeah. But honestly, you know, it's funny. I'm actually busier now than I was before. And if you think about it, like, when, when there were in-person events that were happening, like you would do like maybe one a month, like yeah, maybe one, totally. like, yep. but virtual, like who, you do five of them a month, do six of them a month, like whatever. I mean, it's, it's how true. you burn out quick, but I think like, I think webinar fatigue is starting to set in because I can definitely tell that like, as things kind of reopen, numbers are starting to drop a little bit. You got to scale back the number of things that you're doing too. Mm. But um, it's important to do, you know, quality over quantity. Yeah. Quality over quantity. It's, it's an interesting tug of war, right? Because you're all virtual now. You can do a million. You can do one every day. Yeah. An interesting webinar every day for 30 days. <laughs> it sounds like a weight loss plan, right? <laughs> Might lose weight too if you do a webinar every day. Exactly. Uh, man. Uh, but then tug of war though, like quantity, you can do them. They're virtual. They're unlimited. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. How do you, how do you balance that yourself? I, I think it's just, you know, figuring out what the n- right number is. And so like, we've gone through different, like we, you know, it's funny when we did this back in, I guess, April is kind of when we started the whole virtual thing. Like we did eight of them in April. Then in May, we dropped down to, I think it was like five. And then yeah. this past month, like we did like three of them and like, we're starting to like fine tune and like, it's, it's all about content at the end of the day. Like, if, if you find valuable content of it and you realize that like maybe, you know, your pairs are also going to be joining this, mm-hmm. you're more likely to join versus, you know, not. And then, you know, tying that into a larger like integrated campaign is also important. And so we realized, you know, scaling back the number that you do, but not having an impact pipeline is the balance we're trying to find. Guys, so keep it keep an eye on the end result, but then yeah. and then scale it back and see if anything's majorly affected. That's exactly. Yep. I like that approach to it. Do you have like a favorite? ABM is kind of fun in that you can like do wild things for a few a focused group of people. Do you have any favorite reach outs or any favorite like? I'll say gimmick, but way to get attention. I mean, you're getting all these at bats for your team. Do you have any? And it's just you and me talking. No one else is here. So uh, <laughs> you have any, any, like any cool tricks with that? So, so I, I think, you know, something that's been really cool is like, um, virtual wine, like basically, you know, I don't want to say virtual cause it's actual wine, but like just using like wine as like a way to get more people engaged. Or another thing is mixology classes. Like you can get like virtual 
mixologist to come and like you basically send in a gift card to the people where they could purchase the ingredients themselves. They have to purchase the alcohol, but it's like, it's just like a fun thing for them to like split up the day versus like sitting on a webinar all day and really getting nothing out of it. Or maybe, you know, you're purchasing dinner for them um, as well. And so, you know, a couple of those things definitely make a big difference. And I mean, they can get pricey depending on how many Mm -hmm. you do, but if you're really focusing on like your ABM accounts and like, you know, either you're one-to-one or one-to-few, like going out a little further on that, it makes a big difference. It's like an experience that people can have. Um, Do you have an issue? Because I'd love to send everybody one. Everyone listening, I'd love to send you one. I don't know your address. Uh, How do you, how do you, do you, especially if they're at home versus at work, do you just send it to their office and hope somebody drinks it or? No. So, so surprisingly people have been pretty open about giving us their home addresses. Um, I don't know if maybe like we're we're pretty clear about what we're going to send them. And like, we do tell them like, Hey, we're not going to like basically spam you with a million things after, but like, you know, if someone asked me like, Hey, can I get your address? You know, I want you to join this, this, this event. And like, I'm going to send you, this wine and like a little bit of something to go with it. Like, yeah, I'd do it. Like, Hey, you told me what you're going to do. And like, what's the worst that can happen? Even now, is that like the first they, they hear from you? It's like you get a, it, your very first email and it's like, you don't know me. We just met, but I'd love to send you something. It, it is. Yeah. And you know, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's people, people are more receptive. I don't know. Maybe it's because we sell to like revenue leaders, maybe in another industry would be a little bit different, but it's sure. like, Revenue, you know, revenue people drink a lot of wine. Amen. Amen. Isn't that uh, that question on the, uh, the application for Rev Genius? You know, how many bottles of wine do you uh, partake in? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's cool, though. Um, and people are like, sweet, thank you. Do you tell people they're in your top ABM tier or do you just treat them like that? And no, is there anything, mean- anything to be gained, like meta being like, hey, you like ABM? We do too. We're coming after you. <laughs> no, honestly, we keep it pretty. Like we don't really tell, like tell anyone. We just kind of keep it, you know, Hey, you know, you're, you're a top account for us. And like, uh, you sure. know, we really, we're really invested in your success. Yeah. We talked about you last week on the <laughs> call. <laughs> exactly. And they, they probably deep down know that. They might, you know, that would be cool though, to come to a realization and be like, Man, I'm, I'm on an ABM campaign right now. Like, that'd be fun. You'd be like, yeah, my first one. That's how you know you've made it, people, when you end up on somebody else's ABM campaign. Exactly. You know what? Actually, I was going to say, I've never really hit that, but I have. Back in the day, Terminus targeted me and uh, they got me uh, like a mason jar with my, lo- my logo on that mason jar nice. full of like chocolate and vodka and all sorts of things. And they're like, come, come get this present we have for you at a conference. And it was like that. And I still talk about it to this day. Like years yes. later, I'll be like 90. Be like, remember that day Terminus got me that thing? And, and right. So it's cool. You feel special when that happens. So I can see how these people are like, I'm sure there might be one out of 80 who's like, no, weirdo, don't send me wine. Like, cool. I'm going to drink your wine. Meanwhile, exactly. the other 79 are like actually happy with it. it, it exactly. Yeah. I'm still waiting for someone to like, put me in their ABM like program. Like I don't get anything. Like, if you're What's listening, your email like, address? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you my address too. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that wants to target you. Yeah. Um, perfect. They can, uh, they can follow up. It sounds like 
maybe make your dreams come true today. You know? <laughs> exactly. Everybody gets an ABM campaign. You get one and you get one and you get one. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Well, who are you, dude? Like, how did you, how did you come to all this experience and knowledge and wisdom and become such a connector in the LinkedIn community? Take us back in time. Like little Nick days. What was it like growing up? You know, uh, where was it? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so funny enough, so I grew up in, in a city or a city right outside of Boston called Waltham. And, um, I, you know, I played baseball all when I was younger and I was just like, I was into sports and like, I wasn't a great student. I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, I was just like, Amen. oh, baseball, baseball's life. Like that's whatever. And you know, when I got to high school, um, it was still important to me and I was just kind of doing my thing. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, this is, I, I didn't want to go to college. Um, I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I can just go find a job doing something. And like, I didn't really know, or maybe I'll get drafted to, to the pros one day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, well, funny enough, because I used to, I used to be able to throw about like 89 miles an hour. Um, oh. and Is there I a threshold just, you have to hit to be able to like get in the pros or? I, I think if you could throw like mid to high eighties, like it's, it's usually pretty solid. Um, especially really? being a lefty. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, you, lefty, you'll, at least, yeah. you'll at least get a shot at like a minor league deal, but I ended up getting to college. I went for sport management, um, okay. which I was just like, you know, I told my parents, I was like, if you're going to make me go to college, I'm going to go for sport management and I'm going to play <laughs> baseball. And they're right. like, okay, what are you going to do when you get out? I said, I don't know. Who knows if I'll even make it out? <laughs> like, right. I'm just there to play baseball. Um, and so I went and it was like, it was, it was fun. Like I learned a lot in college and like, it was my first time actually kind of like living out on my own and like, cause I've always like lived with my parents and I was like, oh, this is great. Like so many fun experiences. Um, and just like met a ton of awesome people and got to graduation. And I was like, oh, well, guess I really have to think about like what I'm going to do from here. Like, yeah. like I didn't, I didn't make it to the pros. Like no one offered me a deal. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'm going to be a big shot agent or like an athletic director. Okay. And I got out of school and I was just like, okay, you can't do any of those things without like more, like a, a larger degree or like getting in, you know, some type of money invested into it. And I could go sell tickets for the Red Sox making $10 an hour. I was like, oh, did I really just go to college for that? Like, right. that's, that's pretty lame. Um, but I actually went to sales right out of school for, for basically a local company. I was doing inside sales. It was for a tooling company. And so, like, I was taking phone calls all day from, like, construction workers. Nice. Saying, like, I need this drill. I need this drill. Like, they were, like, rattling off names. And, like, I, I had no clue what they were talking about. I looked it up in a computer, went and got it. And, it came out and gave it to them. Um, but I was like, Oh, this is terrible. Like I can't imagine like doing this any longer. And I ended up working for a company called, um, Motorola, which is a big, well-known company. Sure. And so like my account was AT&T. And so like mm. I would go up against the iPhone every year. And so my job was to get these AT&T franchise dealers to, to purchase our product and try to push it over the iPhone. So like I was coming up with like spiff programs for them. Like I was going around like training all of them and like trying to get them to do it. But it's, I mean, it was a battle that was just like impossible to fight because you know, it's just, yeah. you could never do it. And so I was like, ah, this is okay. Did that for a little bit. And I came across like the field marketing side of it. And so I was like, ah, I was like, this is great. Like, I get to do all this fun stuff without a quota hanging over my head, mm -hmm. but like I, my program still moved the needle. Like I'm still connected to sales. Like 
you're the front lines to the sales team. And like, I've been doing field marketing for about seven years now for, for various companies. And like, honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it's just so every day is completely different. Like it's super fun. Like sales like takes me out. They, they buy me things. They're like, Oh, you, know, you helped with this. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like, I, I tell them, like, I joke with them all the time. I'm like, where's my commission check? Like I helped you close this deal. You, you bought right. me like a nice little bottle of wine, but like, where's, you know, that big fat commission check. Yeah. Um, where's the but, chatter, um, man? Where's yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. But honestly, like it's just, it's, it's been a, it's been a really awesome road. And uh, I guess I kind of ended up here by luck. Like I had no intention of going into anything marketing related out of school. Um, but I came, came here and I probably won't ever leave marketing now. Um, although wow. I did have, I, I did have some thoughts of going back to sales at some point for like a technology company, just cause I, I do enjoy sales. And I think as a marketer, I can do sales. Um, but well, yeah. and you did do it too. So we were talking earlier and we're saying, we're t- talking trash to sales. It's because we've done it. Um, and so it'd be a different story if sales is like, I could do marketing. They've never done it before. You don't know if you could do it. Um, if they have great, I feel like people that have done like what you've done, do both. You're way better at both or whichever one you pick. Cause you understand there's two sides. You understand what they're like. You played baseball. Sales is a lot like a baseball team, you know? So it's like, yeah, totally get it. Yeah. That that's so true. And it's like, you walk in their shoes, like, you know, you know what they're trying to deal with and like, I, I always tell like newer marketers, like, you know, what could I do to basically like up level myself? And I'm like, you know, you should try like doing sales as well. Like, mm-hmm. especially if they haven't done it before, because I think yes. it's important for every marketer to do sales at some point because it will only benefit you in the long run. I agree. I agree, man. Just a l- whatever it is. And you know, you're the, the tooling sales, it doesn't even matter. I mean, I sell tuxedos to bride, <laughs> to bridezillas, like nice. it, whatever it is, just to, to get rejected thousand times a day to get some successes and feel, feel this, the success of some cash in your hand and ringing the bell. Like there's a cool stuff to that culture, but then you understand what's driving your customer. Like you said, sales is my customer. Now you understand them better. I mean, that's the whole point, right? We always talk about doing customer research. Well, sales is your customer. How about doing some customer research on them? Exactly. Yeah. That's sick. On. sick. You see, so you found, you kind of like you found this thing where it's like an intersection of all of that. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I didn't even know it really existed when I was in school. Like, right. I was just like, oh, this is, this is great. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, I wish more people would try it out. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd be a good pe- person for people to talk to, especially out of school or in school. Right. Because right. the same story here, like you don't, you don't know what you really want to do and you may or may not use that major. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but sometimes it doesn't matter as much as it does the experiences you have. You learn way more, I guarantee, during that sales job um, or starting in that marketing realm than you would have like in a textbook, you know? That's spot on, 100%. Yeah, yeah, totally. Any, oh, hypothetical for you, and you're nearby, you're in Boston. Are you still in, in nearby or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I live in, I live, yeah, just outside of Boston. Sick, sick. So I'm up here in New Hampshire, right? So hypothetical, I may have a time machine my backyard covered with a tarp squirrels are trying to get at it right now, but, um, squirrels are nasty, man. They're just all over the place, but I digress. I have this time machine maybe, and you can use it and you go back in time, but it has a set time. It brings you to, it brings you to like the day after you graduated college, right? Or a couple days after, 
something around there, start your career kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give yourself? You get to meet yourself maybe a couple of days after in case you partied a little hard. <laughs> yeah, you get to yeah. you get to see yourself like what what kind of things would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, that kind of stuff? So I, I think the big thing that like I wish everyone would do is is networking. Like get on LinkedIn, like build your personal brand because it, and and I only started doing this a couple of months ago, but like I think back like what if I did this when I was in college or what if they even offered a class around this? Like how much it would benefit people as they go into the real world. Like it would, they, they would grow by leaps and bounds and like make everything so much better. And it's like, I just wish that like people would, instead of being invisible on, on LinkedIn, truly build their own brand, like provide content. Like you don't have to do it every day, but like if you're consistent with it, that's all that can matter because then it's going to open opportunities for you that you'll never have before. And like, I can personally say that like, just from posting regular content on LinkedIn, like I've had so many people, like I've had like CMOs, CEOs, like, and even like people in school just reach out to me and just like talk to me about things. Like I would never have had those conversations before if it wasn't from doing that. And like networking is an incredible tool that like everyone should take advantage of and maximize. 100% dude. It's like one of those things that you... It really, I've tried to tell people, you use it when you don't need it, right? Build that brand. Okay, you're in school. You don't even care, but that's a perfect time. Yep. It's the people that like try like, oh, I really need a job. Let me build this thing. It's like, well, now you're at trying to get stuff from people as you're connecting. But if you're just connecting to people, you want to learn from them or follow them or whatnot, just kind of build your base and your brain and people you've worked with. I mean, adding everyone you do an internship with, everyone that you come in contact with saying hi and just creating a little thing. You're right. Like that would be epic if you started that even a year. It's almost like investing, right? If you started it like a year <laughs> earlier, you had that many more people on there. Exactly. And just like, I guarantee you that not a lot of people are doing that. And like, if you're fresh out of school, it's like, you know, you're already ahead of everyone else. Like, like when recruiters take notice and like, you're looking for a job, they're going to be like, Oh, like I came across this person. Like, they, they provide, you know, pretty interesting like stuff out there. Like maybe I should give them an interview versus someone else. Right. Right. Um, I've often heard, I think Dan Sullivan says this, that uh, a lot of people are competing for your attention, but no one is competing in giving attention. Right. So if you're, if you're looking to learn from someone, giving them the attention, like say, teach me, right. No, no one's bothered by that. No, you're not competing with anyone. No one's doing that. So if you do that, they're like, Oh, Happy to. I just literally talked to someone this morning who wanted like a, to pay for some business coach or whatnot. I was like, no, I'm happy to meet with you, man. Like, let's, let's just chat and we can talk through some of the challenges you're facing and build your business. You know, let's do it. You know, as opposed, you never know. Just reaching out to people is just a way to do it. So oh, that's, that's, so, that's, that's so true because it's just like, like if you really reached out to people on like LinkedIn, that people that you wanted to learn from and like, just ask them a simple question of like, Hey, I'm just trying to learn more. I'm fresh out of school or like early on in my career. You'd be surprised at how many people would actually give you free advice. Right. hundred percent. Cause we're so tired of getting the LinkedIn spammers. I'm happy to, <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're real. Wait, is this followed up with uh thanks for the advice. Now here's my app. Or oh, you exactly. really just want my advice. You know, yeah. <laughs> I got someone's name wrong the other day and I was like, Oh, no, I was like, this isn't spam, I promise. But I was like, oh, I'm so screwed. It looks like I just like <laughs> spammed them and got the name wrong. Uh, oh, man. But um, you, know, you mentioned the, uh, all, the, all the people you're chatting with having these conversations. You ever thought of doing a podcast? Honestly, like 
I have a two-year-old and like, it's just, it, it, two-year-old's it, tough, it, man. Yeah. It would be so time consuming. And then I still play baseball too. And it's just like between work and everything else. Like, it's just like, just being able to focus on my regular job. is Yeah. Is oh, for sure. Especially if you're still playing ball. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Man, do they make you wear masks in the field or how does that work? Yeah. So, so it's actually been pretty good. Like we're, I think we're about four weeks in now. And so like, you do have to wear masks when you're up at bat, you have to wear <laughs> masks when you're in the dugouts. Um, but when you're in the field itself, unless you're at first base, you don't have to. And I mean, everyone's been pretty compliant. Like we cool. knock on wood, like haven't really had any issues um, since everything kind of reopened and like, everyone's just happy to be out there again. Yeah, you just because that it would like kind of ripple through the team, and then you're like you're all out. Wasn't it? Wasn't there like a Florida team that? Yeah, the the Miami Marlins. Yeah, it's just Marlins. What happened? Did they they all get it? So there was, I think there was about eighteen of them that ended up doing it. It's just like I mean, that's what happens. Like they they Mm -hmm. went out to you know they went out to to outside of the the hotel and like they weren't really supposed to. It was discouraged, but like it wasn't like a hard no and like you know, look, they could ruin baseball for, for everyone just from like, you know, kind of doing their own thing. And like, I yeah. think now other teams are starting to realize that. Yeah. I don't know, man. Sports is, a, it's a tough to figure out what, what goes down this year. Yeah. Um, what do you think? If you, crystal ball. And, and what, what do you think about, yeah, as a player, what do you think about having the stands full of like little paper faces <laughs> or no, no fans at all? So, so the no fans doesn't bother me. I would prefer no fans versus like the little faces or even like sometimes <laughs> just you know you Fox, out. Exactly. You know what Fox does like on their television broadcast, they actually put like virtual people in there. So it looks like the, the, the stadium's completely full. And it's like they're, they're pumping in like music. Like, I don't care. Like I actually like it better because I can hear the players, what they're saying, like they're dropping F bombs. Like oh, that's they're, a good point. they're basically talking trash and like, it's super interesting to see Like I, I could care less if there was fans there, but I mean, it, it, it seems like the, the sports that are in a bubble, like, um, like soccer and NBA and NHL, like they're doing fine because they're in a bubble, like everything's restricted. MLB, me and my friends were just saying the other day, like we have an over under, like the season's going to end by August 15th. Like there's no, something's going to happen. Like they're just going to pack it in. And like, I have no clue how the NFL is going to happen, but. Yeah. NFL. And, and it's, it's tough with like, cause I would, I would even give more thought to, at least baseball, you're spread out. I know not in the dugout, but like right. you're doing your own thing, yep. but like football and not only that, but when it's a contact sport, not so much the contact and getting something, it's just, it's hard and you get, it's dangerous and you, you can get hurt. Like if you got a cold and you're not like on top of your game, it's one thing if you like miss the ball or like you strike out, but right. something you got somebody like running at you and they just like put you on your ass because you weren't paying attention. Cause you got a cold or you got COVID exactly. or something, man. It's like exactly. dangerous. You're like a fighting sport or something. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm just happy that sports are back somewhat now. Somewhat. I mean, you can, it's kind of like you take whatever you can get at this point, right? <laughs> exactly. After not having it for so long, I mean, it's like, you know, but this goes to show why we can't have nice things it gets taken away at some point. <laughs> right? <laughs> you and your brother, go to your rooms. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have nice things, man. That, that's, that's funny. Um, you got anything, you got any um, virtual events coming up? Anything planned? Anything going on? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got a couple of virtual events. We've been trying to like do, you know, we have like a couple roundtables a month that we do around different topics and cool. we're doing actually one next week around like 
uh, strategy, strategies around revenue pre and post COVID, how kind of revenue leaders. And we actually have a couple, we have a, a sales leader from OutSystems, someone from Zoom, and um, someone from TPG uh, Capital, which is a private equity firm. And like, just to be able to have them talk about like their experiences of like what yeah. they're seeing, like we try to make these more thought leadership versus like a Clary pitch. Right. Yeah, totally. That's the exactly the way to go. You yeah. just you put it out there, trying to help people. Exactly. And they'll recognize the source. You know, they'll yeah. come back to the source for sure. Yeah. For sure, man. Hey, where can people connect with you? What's a good place to reach out? And Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn is probably the best way. I try to respond to, to everyone that, that does send me a note. Um, yeah. And I've been pretty good about doing that. But, you know, definitely look into to joining, you know, Rev Genius and, and yeah. Revenue Collective as well. I'm pretty active in definitely the Rev Genius um, community. You know, you can always find me on there, shoot me a Slack note, um, join some of the marketing roundtables. And um, yeah, I think those are the best places to probably find me and at least connect with me. That's sick. That's sick. And if you're not there, then you're on a, on a field somewhere. Getting, exactly get, getting it going what base do you play or what, so, what so, so i'm a lefty pitcher yes i still pitch and, oh you're and, right you know, pitcher right right yeah I mean, and, and so you know it's it's fun but it's been so hot this summer that i'm just like oh man then like wearing a mask you feel like you're gonna pass out yeah and i hear you especially when it restricts that breathing you're just yeah like, you get the sun on you it's hot enough anyways yeah, exactly and that to the mix man so hopefully that's hopefully that's done soon but <laughs> damn uh, hey this is great man this has been fun just hanging out chit-chatting talking talking shop talking baseball um appreciate you coming on here yeah no i appreciate you having me this was uh fantastic i, I love learning you know learning from you as well as you know yeah. being able to talk more about things that i've experienced well, i feel like we just hit the start button honestly <laughs> i don't know if either i'm sick or i just had a great time in this conversation and i was just like oh look at that that was pretty cool um but to your Likewise. point, I, man, I learned a bunch from you today. And, and to those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, share this. Because I got two pages of notes over here, front and back. If you learned something, share this episode with someone else. And as you learned today, one of the great places to do that is LinkedIn. <laughs> and, and Nick, I, I've been saying this. And tell me if this is right or wrong. What I'd like to tell people is like, don't just share it, but pull what you, what, what you learned, right? Put some takeaways in the top. Um, and then, you know, tag you, tag me, we'll hop in, have a conversation, engage, that kind of thing. Any, any other advice for people around LinkedIn? Yeah, no, definitely, you know, put, put the comment out there, put your spin on things. And just yeah. like you said, you know, put your key takeaways there and tag the people that are relevant. Because if you tag me on something, I'll definitely comment on it. Like I'm all about the engagement and like giving back as well yeah. as trying to like learn from others too. So boom, there it is. I'm not just full of it. See, this is the way to do it. This is the master class right here. Man, this is great. We'll have to have you come back on and, and uh, see what, see what baseball is like a couple months from now and just check in and that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.